So instead of the pursuit of happiness, we will be preaching about the pursuit of joy. Um, let's say we are as happy as our saddest child, all right? Because <laughs> you can have all the other ones doing well, but if that one is not doing so well, that's the one that we kind of measure from there. And so we'll go over that. But greatness in training. And, and listen, joy takes a lot of courage to be joyful. Because there's so many things, you know, where God says you'll be happier if you forgive. And how many of you have ever forgiven and you weren't happy about it at all? Right? <laughs> forgive. Uh, aren't you happy? No. I want to light people on fire is what I want to do. But, but he's saying because if you don't want to carry all of that over and over again. And so now you've given away all of your 86,400 seconds uh, to something that is not worth giving to. But it is the pursuit of joy that keeps us going. And Isaiah chapter 61 in verse 6 through 8, it says this, But you will be called the priest of the Lord. They will speak of you as ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and you will boast in their riches. Instead of shame, my people will have a double portion. Instead of humiliation, they will rejoice in their share. And so they will inherit a double portion in their land and everlasting joy will be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and iniquity in my in my faithfulness, I will give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. All right. So in part of that, it's the, the covenant is the covenant of everlasting joy. It'll make that with us. And, 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 and so when we start looking at what God's going to do, and, and this is this in three Isaiah 61, the, the title of that whole section is the favor, the, the year of the Lord's favor. It's what it is. That's the year of the Lord's favor. So it's like, hey, you know, it's time for things to turn around. Let's start reading about the year of God's favor. That's the year of God's favor, which means if it's everlasting joy, ever let it live in me, especially when it's time I don't feel so joyful. It's everlasting joy. And, and, and a lot of times, uh, what was it? What was that people's, what was they, the, the, the cliche that Christians used to answer back all the time? How you doing? Blessed and highly favored of the Lord. It's almost like they could burp it out. It was so automatic. Of course, they're mad. I couldn't buy what I wanted, but they're highly favored. Well, listen, you are highly favored, but tell your face and the rest of you about it. Right? There's a joyful, there's a, there's a part of us, and, and, it, and it can be so rough, and especially when there's family issues. Isn't that, and again, so many kids I talk to, their family, their parents, listen, kids are as happy as their parents are happy together. Let me say it that way, too. Because they carry all of the arguments, all those, um, let me not call them arguments, arguments. Let me call them, what do we call them? Intense fellowship, where everybody talk real loud at the same time. Imagine not being able to study and imagine not being able to function because you're carrying an argument that you had nothing to do with to school with you. So you got to go back to the joy of the Lord. Nehemiah 8, 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. I am as strong as my joy. Right? So if I let something pull me down, if I let one thing pull me down, I become weak in other areas. Find something good. The joy of the Lord, in the pursuit of joy. Um, obviously, kind of like the movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, right? Tough movie. 
Tough movie. My favorite part of the movie, right? You remember this part? Tears streaming down his eyes like, man, it's going to be better, right? I fought through it. I made it through it. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm going to fight for my kids. I'm going to fight for my life. I'm going to fight for what I believe in. I'm going to trust God anyway. Now, even all of that stuff that happened, like this is the month, this is, they, they label the months, right? What is this? Uh, domestic violence, uh, not awareness. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say certificate. If you've been beating them, we're going to give you a prize. Awareness. But it's also like a red ribbon week is going to happen at the end of this month. So I will speak to about 30,000 kids in one week. By the time that Friday comes, I'm done. I'm done. Like, I'm just sitting there like, I don't even know if I like people no more. Right? I want to give them a drug. And, and one of the things that, that gets to happen is, and, and God always, he always says this to me, you are stopping people from dying. It always reminds me of that. He says, you're not, you're not just giving some words, you're stopping death. Imagine, which reminds me of Aaron when he ran into the, into the, into the temple and, and the dying had started and he stood between the living and the dead and the dying stopped. So we stand between what's alive in us and even what's died around us, but that dying stopped. But if you don't stand, the dying will continue, right? And so he always reminds me, you are changing people's lives to live. These little ones, third graders, were headed for cirrhosis of the liver. You stop that. Now stop being tired. Because about the end of the week, I sound like, like I'm whispering in the morning time, but the minute they call me up to speak, my voice comes back. Then it goes away. Then it comes back. Then it goes, like, like if you talk to me, I'm like, hey, how's it going? I'm going to have to stop talking. Then Pastor Rita has one more question. What does stop talking mean? <laughs> Good time to be home. So the year of the Lord promised ever, uh, everlasting, and everlasting joy. How many of y'all live in the year of the Lord? That's all of you. If you're saved, you're living the year of the Lord. I mean, I mean like, I don't know what that means. That means you've accepted Christ. You're, you're in his year, right? And so there's an everlasting joy that belongs to you. The minute we get outside of God is when we get outside of joy. I mean, you can tell. He said it with, with uh, Cain, right? He said, Cain, why has your countenance fallen? Why your face look like that? Why ain't you happy? Remember someone, someone asked you, how you doing? I'm fine. <laughs> Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> You're not fine. You're lying. There's something wrong with you, right? The joy of the Lord is everlasting joy to the people of God. A heaven-bound believer has the authority. You have the authority to walk in joy or, or, of their destination regardless of the situation. Now, now listen, listen. Uh, and I've had two occasions where, where a lady... I don't know what's the deal with ladies have came to me and said I look deranged or crazy because I was smiling. I remember the other time, I don't talk, to, talk about that much. I was at the YMCA. They invited me to speak to all the YMCA like they were having a conference, and I was invited there to speak. Uh, and there's this lady. She was in one of those rascals. Um, and just that's how she had to get around. That's all I'm going to say, okay? 
and she was in the middle. I remember that she was in the middle, and I was just smiling. I was speaking. She yelled out mid-speech, you look deranged. How many of y'all know I had some options? <laughs> I'm not going to lie. The first thing popped in my head, your mama looked deranged. I thought it. I mean, that's the first thing popped in my head. I don't know what her mama looked like. But I know she's sitting in that wheelchair. I mean, not wheelchair. It's, it's a scooter, the rascal. <laughs> and I started, listen, because they'd never met me. There was only one person that knew me there. I started heading down the aisle like this. And by the time I had gotten there, God had already said, if you say one derogatory thing, you may not walk out of this building. Now, I don't know what that meant, right? Like, is she gonna, you gonna make her crank it up and like, like it's gonna run over me? Like what, what's gonna happen? How's that? But I just kept smiling. I said, you know what? You know, I'm so glad you noticed the best part of me. And whatever it took for you to notice that, I, I think you drew that to the attention of everybody else. It really wasn't that way. The rest of the people were just, they covered their faces. Like, you know that one relative you got that you wish nobody else would let him speak for the whole family? I said, but guess what? I can't change. I'm going to be this way. I welcome you to join me. And like she was bit like that. And I mean, she was carrying a lot of bitterness. And I remember at the end of that, at the end of that speech, it come out, people came up to me and they were hugging me and they were like, nobody ever, she was, the, she was, she said, nobody, said, nobody ever stood up to her. Nobody would say anything to her. She was the bully. Now y'all, listen. Okay, that's the spiritual part, okay? All, yeah, exactly. You think about unplugging her, rascal. You're talking about taking the battery out. Like, like you're going to bully me at the thing, like, and I, I got to work with you. I would untake it. I would, I'm telling you what. I, thank you, Jesus. I'm no longer the man I used to be. But I would have put that battery out of there and set it next to that scooter. So just, just in sight, but out of reach. It's wrong, ain't it? It's wrong. Listen, everything that goes through your mind is not supposed to be carried out. <laughs> but that doesn't define you. Like so many people living based on how their mind is. Well, I feel this way and that's the way I am. No, I felt like taking a lady's battery out, pouring water in the electronics. So never get, that's wrong, right? Right, everybody, yeah. Because <laughs> y'all know all I'm looking for one agreement and we can go back. Like The Bible says we're two or more. <laughs> all I need is one agreement and we're gonna go light the world on fire. And later on, she asked me for a hug. I, get, I gave her the hug. I mean, I, I hugged her. I mean, it wouldn't, I guess I shouldn't have left that hanging. <laughs> but when, when your joy can be stolen for 60 seconds, that's all she yelled. You look deranged. I mean, like, what are we letting yell at us? and we allow it to control us, right? You just can't, because there's always gonna be one. And I'm not telling you not to feel it, I'm telling you not to wheel it. 
Because just because I feel it don't mean I need to will it to live. And sometimes I give it too much. I give, I give, I give the, 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 it didn't explain this to, well, you can't, but you're not. Why, why do we pursue the applause of people that don't want us? I don't get it. I've never expected a visiting team in a game to clap for me. Only time I heard them clap with me being involved is when I hit one of their players. And they lifted them up off the ground. <laughs> they weren't clapping for me. They were clapping because of me. So we keep pursuing applause. No, listen, God says be joyful. Be strengthened by that joy. Everything else will come along with it. Right? Even though the situation may not be there, God says you're joyful about your destination. The pursuit of joy is a suit of armor that helps us get through a to get through tough times by giving us the healthiest response, healthiest response possible in the circumstance. Healthiest response possible, it's going to be okay. Y'all know what a pessimist is, right? And you know what an optimist is, right? And God has called us to the optimist side. Pessimist people give their mentality a, 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 a badge of honor by calling it being real. I'm being real too. I'm real about my God's breakthrough in my life. I'm real about the joy of the Lord being my strength. I'm real about my God can take care and meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I, I'm real about that. That's real. Optimistic. <laughs> what, 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 what a change under the anointing. So then we start talking about when Jesus showed up, right? Jesus showed up. He died. He resurrected from the cross. Here's a change under the anointing of the Spirit and the ministry of Jesus. No more shame. Did y'all hear that in the verse earlier? No more shame. Points us back to Genesis 1:26. He made them and they were naked and not a shame. Shame robs joy more than anything else. Shame has made people quit things they were called to do and now they're living joy, joyless life because of shame. He says here, no more shame. I think that, that's awesome. Listen to what else it says. It says, now they shall rejoice in their portion. And, and, and so think about that. In their portion, in what you have, you'll learn to be thankful for. He didn't say rejoice in somebody else's stuff and rejoice in what you envy. Rejoice in what you have. Like that's the favor of the Lord is when you can rejoice right in what you have and right where you are, rejoice in it, right? Just that, that, that presence of God to give us the ability to rejoice. Now you shall have double honor, right? Respect comes, you are, what you respect, you'll attract, right? And when you respect the children you have, the spouse you have, you attract them, it becomes attraction. That ain't in the leadership book, The Law of Attraction, though. Right? Because if we respect work and long hours more than we respect, and we understand we got to pay bills. We got it. But make sure there's an attraction to your home. Make sure there's an attraction to you. So no more confusion. Amen. That's in there. He says you won't be confused anymore. Man, 61 verse 68, those are, those are great, great stuff. No more confusion. Uh, don't know what to do. And we've been practicing hearing the voice of God, practicing it. Like even, even on my drive, when I, when I left here and I drive into San Antonio, I, I was like, okay, I need to get gas in my car. I'm going to practice 
hearing from God. What exit should I take? Now, you might think, that's crazy. No, I want to practice listening to my spirit. And God goes, take this one. It's right up your alley. It's under $3 gas. You can get in and get right back out on the highway. That's my thing. I'll pay the extra 10 cents if I can get in and get out. I don't like Bucky's. Take people too long to go in there. Uh, it's a grocery store stop. I don't like Bucky's. They said they open it one. They said they open it one. People tailgating, like, camping out. Like it's a gas station. But anyway, I practiced that. He said, "Take this exit." I've never taken this exit before. And sure enough, boom, you got in there, got out. Only only hiccup was they did, you couldn't pay at the pump. So maybe I missed it a little bit on listening. <laughs> but I'm practicing, right? I'm practicing listening to God. So little words, God says, say something kind or say something. Not. You know, you, you had them. Nah. Nah. Appreciate something. Jesus wept. You start weeping. But we got to practice listening to God and following what God says to us. Amen? Now, I want to act like I do that all the time. I do not. Because there are some exits that I passed on the way back that they tell me stuff. And when I chose the one I wanted, I was in a line. I don't like lines. Lines are bad. They're very bad to me. I, I don't want to drive all day and sit around waiting. I was just confused about Justice's little friend. The little dude said, this is how I know I'm old. He says, I like driving at night. I want it to be early morning, as much daylight as possible. I want to drive at night. But I can say, I don't want to drive at night. You know, he, he had that NASCAR feel to him, you know. Miracle, miracle not disgusted, but I'm just saying. Prayed over my son. I'm glad he brought my son home. I'm glad, thankful. <laughs> but it was a little Ricky Bobby playing on there, and I'm just letting you know. He was shaking and baking. Double honor, no more confusion. Now they shall rejoice in their portion. Indeed, everlasting joy shall be theirs, a joy that can never be taken away. When's the one time you don't want to do something for your kids? It's when they're not thankful for what you've already done. That's the one time you're like, I hope you don't get nothing. I hope the stuff you got stop working. No? Y'all don't pray? I, I love how better parents y'all are than I am. When you're not thankful, it's like, why do I want to get you something else? Let's let that break. Let's see. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying like, y'all make it sound like I'm, I'm being horrible. I'm not trying to be horrible. God say what God, God, God saying. Enjoy what you have. Remember you prayed for this? Y'all looking at me like I'm the problem. Yeah, I wanted to sneak up there and hide all the batteries. Just none of the remotes would work. I would trade them out with the remote control. Of course, Jira would trade them right back. 
So he says that, more honor, indeed everlasting joy shall be theirs, a joy that can never be taken away. The Lord explains how sacrifices such as burnt offer, oh, this is really good, can really just amount to robbery if the heart isn't right when you give it. And you see that part there in, uh, in uh, verse 8, it says, I, it says I the, for I the Lord love justice, which means we don't have to go get it. God loves it. We need to love the one who loves justice and he'll make justice happen. Thank you. I hate robbery and iniquity. In my faithfulness, I will give them their recompense and make an everlasting covenant with them. And he says, when I hate robbery and iniquity, he's saying, if you give something the wrong way, here, take it. Right? Take the money. You need it. Take it. That's robbery. No, but I'm less money. And he says, the way you gave it wrong. Right? If you gave it wrong, it's no longer a gift. It's stolen. Now that person feels condemned and persecuted even though you gave it to them. Right? Right? And be careful, right? If, if God ain't leading you to give it, don't give it. Right? Just don't. Oh, I just feel bad. No. I mean, not as bad as you're going to make them feel when you do like, well, you know, I ain't going to get my medication this week. Well, here, you can have it. You know, we was dependent on a piece of cake, but we don't need it, as you can tell. He said that's robbery. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says God loves a cheerful giver. We sit up in church. We'll say that to you all day. We sit up in church. I don't know if I want to give. Keep that. Keep, put that in your pocket. Go get you some pizza with it. Because it's not going to do anybody. God don't love a grudging gift. He doesn't want it right? A gift of necessity. We, we've been in church where they locked the doors during offering time. Counted it right there. Said we need another. <laughs> I've never been so defiant in my life. I hope folding my arm. I hope I give you another cent. Now what we read, right? And, and the secretary stayed for, for I'm not allowed to, I'm not even supposed to be touching or seeing the offering. As the pastors, we're not. Somebody counts it. Somebody else does the other stuff. If you're doing it right. So now that makes me even want to go back. But I won't be going back in joy. So. Right? If God loves a cheerful giver. You ever give your kids something that they wanted and you did it like reluctantly? And you better enjoy it. If I catch you not smiling on that bike, I hit you with it. God don't operate that way. You don't operate that way. How much more? How much more? But we do need to teach our kids how to be thankful. Right? How to appreciate it. You know? Yeah. I like, I like when kids come up to me and they say, one of their officers tell them five things about you that's not obvious. And they, they say this. Uh, yeah. Uh, and they have the other kid introduced and say, yeah, they moving out of their house. You ain't you ain't buying it. You're moving out of your parents. Y'all's parents are moving. They say, oh, no, they say they, they, say they buying it. She's buying a new house. They'll say she is. The parents are. You ain't buying nothing. Right? Stop acting like you're buying it. I always look. I never, like, I, can, I never hear the voice of God more clearly than right then. I got these two individuals on one side of me, and they say something crazy, and God says, shut up. 
Because I want to say something. Nacho. Nacho Circus. God loves a cheerful giver. When you give, give it cheerfully. If you're able to give it, give it, give it. Don't loan it, give it. Loans are contracted. And when you get in a contraction and they don't follow, follow through with the contraction, you start evicting, <laughs> calling collection notices, right? Whatever else happens there, right? Sending people. Okay. God loves a cheerful giver. When we do the right things the right way, it is a double blessing. And the same is true that when we're doing the right things, the wrong attitude, it amounts to robbery in God's eyes. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Let's, let's watch how Jesus gave us the example. Wherefore, seeing we are so, are so are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight that and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us looking unto jesus the author and finisher of our faith for the joy everybody say joy that was set before him he endured the cross despising shame and is sat down at the right hand of the throne of god for consider him that endured such contradictions of sinners against himself lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds jesus endured the cross for the joy of the end Right? I said he endured. He endured. We run with patience and joy is what allows us to let patience be perfected in our life. Nobody gets in a race. No coach has ever said, be patient when you run. He'll tell you, now, those of us who were slow enough and had to run distance, he said, find your pace. But if you just be patient when you run at your pace, don't try to get up in somebody else's race. That's why I love that prison I was in in uh, Atlanta. I wasn't, I was speaking there. <laughs> and and, uh, and uh, I asked him, how many of y'all believe y'all faster than I am? I am faster than you are. And I, I said, you sure? He goes, yeah, I'm faster than you. I said, how many of y'all believe I'm faster than you? I, he said, I said I was faster than you. I said, no, you take that aggression out your throat. And next time somebody asks you to rob something, that's when you need to be aggressive about no. You want to get up in here and be all aggressive. You should have said no. When you try to hold up that candy store and got some time up in here, that's when you should have been aggressive. The security guard was just back there like, we may not get this dude out of here. And the little dude was getting all amped up. I can beat you. I can beat you. So I have him come up there. Now, they don't like for you to do this. I like doing, if I'm going to do it, I want it to be interactive. But they don't want a prisoner standing that close. This dude might have weighed 128 pounds. He may get one good lick in. <laughs> now the rest is up to the security what they're going to do with me after that. Cause, but he countered, he said, now let's run, let's run. I said, but it ain't a running race. He goes, <gasps> I said, first one in, I think I was 45 at the time. It was about 10 years ago. First one to 45 wins years old. He go, well, that's you. I said, that's exactly what I'm saying. Quit running somebody else's race. I said, you in here because you was trying to please some people who are other criminals and you locked up in here because you were trying to run for them. That wasn't your race. He start crying. Here I was wanting to fight. And he's hurting because he's running. He's trying to please people that are never going to love him the way he should love him. 
but I'm ready to jump. Let's get speaker. Don't put that on your resume. Who jumped a little pastor from Texas is supposed to come there and encourage me? Jump me. So give with a cheerful heart. Man, you know, uh, I, here I'm starting to learn to love the smell of oranges on Saturday. Because I know I'm making my juice. Right? I'm trying to figure out what fruit is in season so we can keep juice going. Right? Just trying to keep it going. So there's a joy that has come over me. Would, would sitting at home resting be joyful? Absolutely. But waking up at 2 a.m. going, the fruit ain't ready. The juice ain't ready. That's not peaceful to be. Right? That's not peaceful. It is something that God's asked me to do. That's something I'm going to keep doing. So joy and obedience to God. It says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Y'all remember Jesus was getting spit on when he was going to the cross? People were calling him all kind of names. It was people he had healed. Don't y'all know how to lay that stick down for a minute and took my eyes back? He healed a blind person that was spitting on him? <laughs> Let me, give me those. I'd have shook them like dice when I passed by him. Like he wouldn't have been a seal thing. You used to have these. That's why God is our example. Right? Not me. I'll make, I'll be your excuse. God is the example. Now, I'm supposed to be responsible for my actions. I am. I'm just thinking, if Jesus could do it after he healed somebody, delivered them, raised them from the dead, and they spit on them. Like, why do we give so much attention to people that betray us? He says, for the joy that was set before me. Not the joy of whether they're going to receive what I gave them the right way. Not the joy of whether they were going to do what was right with it. For the joy that was set before me that I did what God told me to do, I endured the cross. And sometimes if you don't look at it that way, you won't even be able to endure a conversation. Much less the cross. Romans 4, 17 through 19. I have made you a father of many nations. He's talking to Abraham. The dude is 100 years old with no children. But he's going to father nations. He is our father in the presence of God in whom he believed. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being what does not yet exist. Again, back to the can these bones live. Whatever's dead, whatever looks like it can't function, whatever it is, raise up. Said no, I call those things that do not exist as though they are existing right now. He says against all hope. Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations just as he had been told so shall your offspring be without without weakening in his faith he acknowledged the decrepancies decrepitness I messed this up yesterday of his body since he was about a hundred years old and the lifelessness of Sarah's womb I love my wife we're matching she has on pink I have on salmon boots my boots are not pink they're salmon fish crayon fish but if she came and said I'm pregnant I'm going to weep like a child and I'm 55 if she says we having another no I'm having one right now 100 God told him you're gonna have a child he was out of time out of place out of position And God says, I'm doing it through you anyway. Right? 
He can't be Yahweh till you let him do it anyway. Well, God, it's okay, but if you need to use me when I was younger. No. I love it like the one comedian say, crimes have never been committed by people with low T. You know. It's okay. I'll just let you read about it when you get home. We're not that way. We don't have all this stuff blooming in our bodies of what all we could do because we're young enough to do it. Be mature enough to just obey. Well, God, if you'd call me when I was younger, oh, I'm using you now because I know you'll lean completely on me and not on your abilities. And see, when we think we can do it, we'll do what Sarah did. Go. <laughs> Basically, you don't see a scripture about Abraham arguing about this. Sarah said, I'm old, take my maid have a baby with her. There's not one verse in there to say, Abraham said, no, God's going to do it. Abraham's like, okay. And Sarah stuck to her guns and got mad about it after he had the child, as she should. You're going to have a baby up in here and going to stink and think, we're going to all live together? This was your idea. She said, you better get out of here. Take her and the kid, get him out. That was Sarah's idea. Men, we got to say no. If it don't line up with the word, even though they say, mm -mm. Because you're going to turn on me later on when that really hits you. So nope. Nope. I know you're trying to help the Lord out, but nope. Right? And so you go back and say, I can't help God. God says he's 100. He's going to be the father of many nations. You understand the only way he can be a father, he has to have a son. And even when God gives you the thing that you've been waiting on the longest, he's still going to ask you, are you willing to still sacrifice it? Because he asked him to go sacrifice it when there was a lamb that came up. And so you got hope. Listen, oh, I love this. Hope gives us permission to experience the joy of a breakthrough before it happens. You got permission to be excited that your kid's going to turn around before it happens. You got permission to believe that your finance is going to turn before it happens. It's, it's because it's hope. Right? The spirit of expectancy, Psalm 62.5, you have it in you because I have hope. That's why I'm excited about what hasn't happened yet. There is no way when you line up my family with me in the middle, in the front, because short and let them all speak and I've listened to them that I should be the one speaking publicly they are all more talented and gifted than I will ever be they're also crazier than I would ever be but obedience will trump talent any day talent may get you there character is what keeps you there they are. They, they all, they, they say stuff that's blown away. I take notes from them. And I was like, why aren't they doing this? And he goes, they wouldn't accept the call I made. Don't ever disqualify yourself by what you can't do. Or comparing yourself to other people. There's no way. Romans 8.28 says all things work together for the good for those who love God. So when I have Romans 8.28, I can hope 
regardless of whether I see it or not, I can have joy in the breakthrough. Because I know all things work together for God's good. So now I got hope. So no matter where they are, no matter what they're saying, I'm going to hope in Christ. Amen? Amen. You guys bow your heads. Let's, let's pray. So Father, we just pray and, and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that the restored joy, restored peace, restored hope inside of us. That, Lord God, that you are the one fulfilling us in all of our ways and all of your will to bless you, Father God. And so we thank you that we don't pursue hate, anger, or sin anymore. And we know that those things are not what we're called to do. We're called to trust in you and believe you. And we have faith, everlasting faith, that, Father God, that what we believe will come to pass. And, Father God, we know that if you said it, you're going to do it. You're not man that you should lie, nor the son of man that you should have to repent. If you said you're going to do it, you're going to do it. Thank you for turning us into joyful people, people of joy, that we believe that our God is going to handle it. Our God is going to take control of it. And Father God, we trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Pursue.